0: You hear the song, you know it's time. Yes, grind time with Darren McCarty. I'm your host, four-time Stanley Cup champion, Darren McCarty, here with episode 55, or as I was so in tune like I didn't know by Babbage there on the ones and twos, it's episode Cronwall. So let's get Cronwall. Actually, episode Cronwall works it out because... uh, Nick Cronwall, one of the, the nicest uh, human beings in history, but you could say that about all the Swedes except for Homer. Um, <laughs> can I, guys, we always got to take a Homer shot when you can. Guy never learned English. He speaks Swinglish. I mean, you had to get Nick to translate all the time. Anyways, um, here for part two, episode two, hopefully you caught the first part of my wonderful spiritual trip to israel was able to come back and sit down and talk with uh, rabbi Svee jacobson who let's talk torah here on nrm streamcast on thursdays catch his podcast it's great but in that episode we talked about you know israel the western wall uh what makes a place holy how it made me feel and uh different things like that and in this next episode you're going to talk about the power numbers, the, the group prayer, prayer, the different uh, feelings I had there. Dead Sea. Now, if you see on my shirt, this is, and if you didn't catch the other episode, this is uh, Herzlilia, if Pope can pronounce it right. But they won the, uh, the division back in 2007, I believe, and we're were uh, the only team in Israel ever to put up to the first division. But uh, there's Dead Sea Dirt all over my jersey because I wore this down to the Dead Sea, which there's a great talk that uh, Rabbi Svi and I have about the history and the geography of the Dead Sea and then a little bit more of the questions that I had about the oral on the, the different of the Hebrew language. So uh, it's just a lot of the continuation to the spirituality talk. To, the one thing is that even though we hear a lot of things in the news and we see a lot of things, even though we're across the... Across the Atlantic Ocean and stuff, um, I felt safer in Israel than I do sometimes in this country. And th- that's when you know that there's missiles that can go over your head any minute. Um, I know they have an air defense system, but it, it was not only that. Uh, people are, you know, the, the, the Israelis serve in the military, all of them, since they're 18 years old. So when you see people walking around whether they're soldiers or not carrying AR15s or if there's a guy like he was jogging down the road with one you figure he' supposed to have it and and but there's a there's a respect and it and it's funny because i I will get into this in the interview but I you'd be standing on the one side of the wall where the street is and it's just chaos and it's like New York City and there's cars going everywhere and it's like beep 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 and I mean I wouldn't want to drive. There and then you go behind the walls into one of these monasteries or to a sacred spot and it's absolutely peaceful and quiet. It's 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 I really have a lot of respect for for the history of the people of Israel. And just you know what? If anybody the thing that blew me away, one of the things the most, when you land at the airport in Tel Aviv, there's an orchard that you drive out through. And I, I mean a real orchard with Fruit or with vegetables, oranges, uh, palmella, different, which is like a grapefruit-orange combination. Um, mm. But it's for the people. And I guess if you want to see something that they do well that I really respect is they've left it in a better place for the generation to come. Just, you know, lessons that it's all, if I'm going to preach self-awareness and looking in the mirror, this is all part of it. What kind of world do you want to leave behind? Um you know this is you're you're all on your own journey so um in saying that um i can't thank uh rabbi svi enough for uh not only to uh, let me monopolize an hour of his time and answer some questions but every time i see him around the building i still ask him questions so that'll never change so um and don't be afraid out there if you have questions don't be afraid to look into it. I, I think that with what we found in the way that life is in 2020 is that, yeah, you can hear it, but you have to uh, come to your own conclusions about it. In um, saying that here's uh, part two of the recap of my trip to Israel. All right. So uh, we're back here talking, uh, talking Torah. I talking guess, Torah. Uh, I can't, so um, please explain to me as we t- uh, took a break there, but, uh, um, So uh, as far as a rabbi and prayer, um, where you have to pray three times a day and you're explaining usually it's uh, with the group, but if not, as an example now where we walked away that you were able to pray. So how does that work?
1: Right. So that was kind of you. We took a quick break. Jews, they pray three times a day. Okay. Muslims, I think are five, but three times a day. Once in the morning, once in the afternoon, once in the evening. So the best is to go to a synagogue, have a quorum. That means minimum of 10 men and and pray as a group. And group prayer is definitely more powerful. Right. There's a, an interesting story. I always tell stories. I'm a teacher.
0: I love it. Good. No, I, I could listen to you and, 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 and I'm gonna relate it to, so I always take in uh, what I'm learning and I relate that to, so I'm an alcoholic, so part of my recoveries through the years is through Alcoholics Anonymous and getting around a table of recovering addicts. Sharing a story is a powerful thing because of the spirituality in that room of of getting beyond an evil or right has would that be the same sort of not topic but same sort of same sort of power so. in a group.
1: I think we learn well. There's two different things. First of all, from stories we learn. Yeah, and no one likes to be lectured to. Right. But if I hear a story, and so my imagination or my brain is taking in that story, yeah. so my brain is now open. Yeah, my mind is open. Most of the time, we're so afraid to listen to anybody who's different, so automatically we close the doors. Yeah. But if I tell you a story, everybody likes stories. Everybody. Loves so now stories. your mind is open. Now I get the story, I, you, yeah. whatever the group is. So the story goes in and we can relate to the story. That's why we like stories. As far as why a group is more spiritual, um, it is. And one of the reasons is because God likes to hang out when there's more people praying, yeah. studying. He'll, he'll
0: show up in greater force. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's actually, right, whatever right. that means. Yeah, there's no whatever, whatever, that whatever that means.
1: Whatever that means, but that, I l- I that is it. a very good way of saying it
0: me, that makes sense because of seeing the growth and over time, as Israel has been a country now for 70 plus years and they get stuff done. You know, that somebody said to me there, because again, we're dealing, I was saying about the ice hockey rink, they built a new one and they said, yeah, red tape, red tape. But the thing is, once you get through the red tape there and it's sort of like dealing with security and all that, once you get through then you're accepted and then you don't have to go back and redo it and redo it. It's done and it's done right. Does that? Let me tell you my,
1: one of my favorite experiences, and again, I can't tell you if it's nowadays, but this is an amazing experience that I saw numerous times. And it's, it's the people of Israel. So you get on a bus. Yeah. Did you take any buses no, when you were we there? No, so we the didn't. buses are like any other bus, but there's a front door and a back door. So, first of all, if a, if a mother is coming with a carriage, you have to go in the back door. You can't get the front door. Right. So, people help her lift her carriage up. If the bus driver is in a rush and he starts to move, everybody yells at him Nag nag. whoa, whoa. Lady gets her stuff on. Then she has to pay the driver. So, what do you do? So, it depends. If she only has cash, she pulls money out of her pocket. She hands it to the person in front of her, passes the money through 50 people to the front of the bus driver, gets his money, passes it all the way back, she gets her change. Can you imagine? Nobody pockets anything along the way. It's unheard of. You have a little punch ticket. Yeah. She, they send, well, now it's again. I've right, now dated right, right, myself. Right, right. When I was in Israel, you had right. to have a punch ticket for your, it was called a cartis, yes. for your for your bus pass. Right, And then they would punch it and you would finish it up and then you get the next one. Now they probably have sliding things that go. So the those money stories that right. I grew up with um, don't happen anymore. But lady wants to get off with her carriage. Someone's going to help her take her stuff on get off the bus, make sure get sh- the bus, get back on the bus. Everyone's trusting everybody. It was a very different yes. experience than, you know, I, I a couple of times and, I've been on New York City buses and that's not happening.
0: No, exactly. And 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 here's the thing, New York, the change ain't coming back. Israel, it is. And you really do see that. You see, I see the people care about the country and the, and they genuinely care about their other people, their other, no matter what it is
1: it's um no just just thinking about the buses they live on buses now they have tax i guess a little bit more but that those experiences are on just the experience on a bus alone and probably if somebody would be studying or somebody having a conversation again you, you live in new york or detroit we don't have much of a bus system here right. sorry um, i guess we have that queue line that has five stops you know, can but.
0: never that it's never yeah, that has got to come down the road and it never comes you know you're looking down and you can never see it like but uh, so I grew up in new york yeah. so
1: subways and buses yeah, you know, when you sit down on a subway you don't look at anybody now right. people love their phones because right. now even if I, now i have an excuse not to look at you you don't make eye contact you don't look at anybody you don't want anybody looking at you and in israel if you're having a conversation guy's going to turn around man lady doesn't matter they're going to get involved in your conversation they're going to argue <laughs> on your conversation it, it it is part of how they're brought up um it's interesting just to backtrack you say they don't say excuse me they actually have a different word it's a Hebrew word. Okay. The word is slicha. Slicha. Slicha means uh, officially it means forgive me, but it, it's actually used to mean get out of the way, I'm coming through. So because if officially I'm saying to you slicha, forgive me. Yeah. So
0: forgive it, me, get out of my way. But what
1: if the guy says, or lady says uh, no? They look at you like you're out of your mind. I wasn't really asking you to forgive me. <laughs> yeah. I was saying a nice way that I'm moving That's through. It. You don't want me to move through. I'm moving through so anyway. Is
0: excuse, me, Just, excuse uh, me, as you're pushing your way through. But now, yeah, different
1: story. See, you t- start with stories, one story to the next. Yes. You asked me before what's special about a group of people praying. Yes. I say I bring us back. Yeah, I love it. So, so wow, uh, what's the it. difference between the power force? You like that word of a group of people praying? Uh, at, you know, compared to an individual. So they give a parable. So the parable is a king wanted to make himself a beautiful crown, and he basically told all his uh, cities that I'm making a crown, and I expect you to to, uh, send some jewelry for my crown. So this one's gold, this one's silver, this one's diamonds, this one's rubies. All of a sudden, one bag comes in. They spill the bag out on the floor. There's some diamonds and rubies, and there's also some pebbles and stones. So the king at first is highly insulted. Like, this is my crown. What are you doing with little stones and pebbles and dirt? And uh, one of the craftsmen, the artisan said, you know, your majesty, if we melt it all together, we can make something beautiful. You know, by itself, these stones, these pebbles have no value. But if if we combine it, it'll be beautiful. So when we're in a group, so I was spacing out. I wasn't thinking so good. I was thinking about the hockey game. I didn't have the best prayer session ever. But I got a bunch of other guys here. Some of those people in this room are probably praying really fantastic. So I'm going to tag along. Yeah. Just going to hold on to their, uh, yeah. to their coattails. That's it. And my prayer is going up with the good ones. That's, the, that's why we, we would rather pray with a group. But at the same time, you gotta pray. You gotta pray. Yeah. And since we're here for the long haul today, yeah. My choice is skip it, or go to a little corner and pray. Yeah.
0: No. You yeah, gave me a few minutes. Greatly appreciated. No, no. Uh, that that and and that's the, you know, to me that's like of, of course. It'd be almost like, I I'd be almost insulted where it'd be like, hey, can I get a couple minutes to go pray? And and in saying that, it's because you know, like I said before, and showing people not only our similarities, but it's just the respect, you know, it's just that, that respect one, I'll tell you that, um, to never been to Israel before and actually to fly L, the Israeli airlines and to go through the process of the immigration customs. And you really realize, you know, how buttoned up and how professional and how serious it has to be, but always in a respectful way, I had no problem You know, I never thought I was disrespected. I thought it uh, it was somebody being thorough and, and caring about, you know, their, it was almost like I would want them doing the same to everybody else because they're looking after the other person there who's not there. And you see all the strife that's going on and stuff, but it was really cool. And then, uh, we had talked earlier, uh, I went down to the Dead Sea. So which anybody who doesn't know Lowest Point on earth, but what really got me, and not it wasn't the buoyancy of the salt and the, the mud and that, it was the decay over the years of how the global warming and really the climate or whatever the, how it's, you can see all levels over the years and years and years. Now how I couldn't, you know, I'm not a, a geologist, but over how many years, like how many long years would it would it have taken
1: I have no idea. But, right. but there's always a story, right? Right. I told you, everything That's is going to go back to I Torah. Love. Everything, everything. I love. So that area, if I were to tell you, <laughs> yeah. for those who have ever seen Dead Sea, if you didn't see it, just Google it. You, you yeah. see what it looks like. It's a pretty desolate, depressing place. Right. Except for the hotels, a nice hotel there. Right, 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 so people right. in their mud baths or salt baths, yeah. and who knows what. Um, so in the Torah... It was actually a couple weeks ago in the Torah portion. There is the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah. You ever heard of them? Yep. Okay, so they're a pretty rotten place. So God sends down two angels and they turn over the city and sulfur and who knows when they destroy the city. But before that city was destroyed, that was prime property in Israel. That was one of the most beautiful areas, a very wealthy area, lush. We know that Lot wanted to be there with all the sheep. Obviously, there was a lot of grass there till they reached the end point, and God said they had to be destroyed, and he destroys those five cities. Those five cities are in the area of the Dead Sea. That's yeah. the area. So go back in history. If Abraham was born in 1948, that's how you do my numbers. Yeah. I know a few numbers, and then I just have to fast-forward them. So it's 2000, about 37, 3,800 years ago. Yeah. Um, it was beautiful, and God completely flipped it over and destroyed it. So now when you ask me how long does it take to look like that, well, technically, it it was destroyed, and who knows what that destruction was, 3,700 years ago, and this is just what it looks like since then. There's, I don't know if you saw it, officially, somewhere in that area is the Pillar of Salt. Yeah. I don't know if you saw it, if yeah, they, pointed, they you, pointed it out to you, that Lot's wife became a pillar of salt. So it's in that area because yeah. that's the area where those five cities were turned over. Wow. So at one point it was beautiful lush. And then God says, this will be a lesson, even in his land, that he wants it to be so beautiful. But this area is going to be a lesson.
0: Wow. that's And, and, and it's so amazing because... Like you said, third, you're talking about things that are, are 30 over 3000 years ago, but how being there, it's so true. It says you tell me that it's like matter of fact and and how that land can prosper and go back and forth when it's taken care of properly by the proper people and stuff moving forward. So like now let's go back to like the Tel Aviv, but incorporating the new and the technology with the old? What is the, you know, what is all the process or how does, uh, as, what is the, the people? So,
1: so again, it happens to be a city like Tel Aviv is not a religious city. Right. It is a very modern city. Right. There's certain, I, I just heard yesterday someone said, oh yeah, this UN, the new UN ambassador, I can't tell who she was, she was talking about how there's like 5,000 really? startups a year in Israel and they're the king of startups or something and technology use Waze. Right. Waze is a product of Israel. Right. Yeah, these guys are brilliant. They build it, yeah. and then they sell to some American company for a billion dollars. I have no idea what they do next. Right. But the, what's interesting is that you have you have the written law and what's called the oral law. Right. So the written law is the Old Testament. 24 books, Old Testament. That is the written law. Then you have all the explanations that come along with it, because you wanna—if you're gonna write down all the explanations, this room doesn't have enough room for right. all the books you're gonna have to write. Right. So it was the oral law. A lot of it's been written down. We call that the Talmud. So the Talmud is law. So the the difficulty becomes: so the Talmud wrote its law and sealed it. Let's say 1500 years ago, for argument's sake. 1600, 1400, somewhere in that range. Probably 1300 doesn't matter. Yeah. So, but they didn't have heart surgery. No. Right? They didn't have all the things we deal right, with. Right. So, what you actually need to go ahead and do, not me and you, you have to, you need the greatest rabbis in each generation when something new in technology comes along and they have to say, how are we going to deal with this new technology? And they're not allowed to make up, well, I think it should be this or I think it has nothing to do with making up. They have to actually write a paper to say, this is the new technology, this is how it works. I will prove to you from ancient sources that this is how you should look at it. Now, it's public. You don't get to put it in your back pocket and say, you have to trust me. No trust. The, all the rabbis in the world for the next thousand years get to read your paper and decide, I agree or I disagree. And that's, that becomes the blend and the mix between the new and the old. Okay. The old always is what we'll call old. The old is always going to be used. You're just going to have to understand how to use it and explain how we deal with this new type of technology. Oh, look at that. And Andy, of course, has his own version. Not his own version. That's it. See, Talmud, never oh, saw one God, of these, I huh? See, you study with me, you find out. I love it. This is the English, this is new, but this is what a page of Talmud looks like. Yeah. A lot of words. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of words, commentaries, words. This is just one small book of many, which well, is an interesting point, by the way, in the Talmud. If you were to study one page, means two sides, every day to work your way through the Talmud, would you like to guess how long will it take you to make one, one go through? I mean, you can pick anything you want. 40 years? No, no, no. That would be too long for me. No, no. Nah. Seven and a half years. 2,800 nah. pages
0: <laughs> 28, on both sides. Seven and a
1: half. Wow. So it happens to be that, I believe in the beginning of January, um, will be they'll be completing another cycle. There was a rabbi, his name was Zermair Shapiro. Yeah. And he said, wouldn't it be great if Jews around the world were actually learning the same thing every day? Like, wouldn't yeah. that be cool? Yeah. So he created this in the early 1900s, maybe 1920s. And it's taken off yeah. more so now with internet. People listen to lectures on internet, and they yeah, to lecture can, in the morning, afternoon, can, evening. Right. So um, they're actually going to be in. I think it's MetLife Stadium. Yeah. That's Giant Stadium. Yeah. See, I don't know all my sports. I that's, know a little that, bit. no, that's good. So yeah, gonna I mean, have,
0: I'm not going to give you credit because it's in New York. You said yeah, you're from no, New it's York, so yeah, I mean no, that's like good.
1: set up So the big one will be there. There'll be eighty thousand people in that stadium. To all people who finished or at least want to be there by the conclusion, the finishing, a lot of rabbis. And then around the world and in different countries, there'll be groups that will get together to celebrate that we finished and we're starting again. That's a wrap up of it.
0: You cracked open the book and I saw the Hebrew and then you had the English. For for a person that doesn't know Hebrew, how how would they go about, what's the easiest way to go about learning Hebrew? And I, I, I would think you mean that- language? W- like, uh, to speak it, I would, would, would speaking it and understanding it to, to hear it be easier than understanding it to read and write? So that's, that's sort of an
1: educational question. So in truth, and I was just having this conversation with a, with a different friend who wants to start learning Hebrew. It's unfortunate, that's not the way to go. If you don't immerse yourself in the language, like you go to Israel. First of all, my right. daughter says to me, I said, how's your Hebrew doing? She says, hey, everybody speaks English here. <laughs> that's what she told me. Right. So I said, um, okay, that's not working out too well. You're supposed to practice right, right, speaking. Right, right. So we teach children in school and they learn it at an early age. We actually do it backwards in school. Interesting enough, really to learn language, I don't know Rosetta Stone, but really to learn language, you're supposed to hear it first, speak like a baby, hear it first, speak it second, read it third. We actually, in most day schools across the country in America are just the opposite. We teach you how to read it first, um, then we start speaking it second, and you might hear it third. So we're completely backwards, but the brain is so amazing for most people. um, Again, we're starting with children already in, in younger elementary grades, kindergarten, first grade, second grade um i have on my board hundreds of words that i put up on a train so it's the the the, the last thing a person might want to do interesting enough if they want to know torah is to get the language because the language unless you're good at picking up languages that's going to be the hardest thing you pick up a word here a word there right. but nowadays there there are so many books in english you you go online the art scrolls the feldheim publishers you Google Jewish books. Well, so, you whole,
0: can learn so much for the English. But here's the whole, and here's the whole thing. I think that even it just speaks to me even more so is what I found is, and I don't know if I there's that perception that 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 that's the thing of of the Jewish faith and the is to be is they share it like it's the knowledge is is here. This is what written and and it's not like you have to this way, but you tell the story and you share it. It's not like, if you want to learn it, you have to learn Hebrew. You have to, you, you know what I, and to me, that's, that's what in my um, impression of what a higher power or God or whatever wants me to learn because can hear in so many different ways. And you say that it just, it, it, it intrigues me because of that. Yeah, I'll throw something at you with uh, translation. Yes. So
1: when was the Torah first translated into another language? There's really two answers to that, but the basic answer. Okay, so actually when God gave the Torah towards the end of the 40 years in the desert, he told Moses to write a translation in the 70 basic languages that existed in those days. Um, But then there was an end, actually it was not a good idea to translate Torah. And the basic reason being, is because there's so much oral law there's so much not written that if you only read what it says you're, you're missing you're, you're, yeah you're first of all losing in translation but you don't understand any of the background or what the Torah wants because you don't have the oral law because right. it wasn't written
0: right, right 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 right
1: along came one of the Tolmai kings so you're talking after alexander you yeah. have alexander and then his kingdom breaks up so that's okay. Those who know the history will figure out the years exactly when that was. That's the beginning of the Second Temple area. So you're talking, I don't know, twenty five hundred years ago, twenty four hundred years ago. So after Alexander dies, so the the Ptomai dynasty takes over Egypt, and they were like the Greeks, highly educated. They liked libraries. They had the big Alexandria Library, yeah. and he wanted a version of the Torah, but not in Hebrew. What's he going to do with Hebrew? He wants Greek, right? So what he does is he calls 72 rabbis, and he informs them, I'm putting each of you guys in a separate room. And I'll give you whatever it takes, a couple days, you're gonna write me a translation in Greek. But you can't talk to each other. And then I'm gonna check if you guys all got the exact same translation, or if you're playing with me. So first of all, any language, if I put five people in a room, it's all different translations. Here he's got 72. So, what are they supposed to do? And there's problems in translating Hebrew to Greek just because of the way translation works. Right. One of the funny problems was one of the non-kosher animals is in Hebrew is an arnevis. Some type of hare, rabbit, I don't know what it is. Doesn't okay. matter. So, the problem was, Tolmai's wife's name was arnevis. And oh. the Greek translation of arnevis was his wife. So, you can only imagine he's reading the Torah. These 72 rabbis are making fun of me. So all 72 rabbis knew they had to change the name, but they didn't know what everybody else was gonna write. So miraculously, God put in their head to write a different translation. That's actually, so the original translation into Greek, and there's actually 13 examples, not as funny as that one, but there's actually 13 (laughs) examples where, um, where they made changes and they all made the same change. So it was almost like a miraculous translation. So even though it's miraculous, but the rabbis actually are not happy that, we, that that translation came about because then people think they don't need to go to somebody like me to get the real story because they figure, I got the written book, right. I
0: don't need anything else. I'm good to go. As far as the, when you're teaching Torah, like there's the, what to learn, like it's this way. Yes,
1: yeah, so that's very
0: interesting yeah.
1: because there's, there's numerous, what we'll call simple explanation. There's in Hebrew it's called pshatz, certainly to children who want to teach simple explanation. So if I were to bring you in from my house or any bookstore and, and open up or crack open a Bible with commentaries, there could be 10, 15 commentaries on the page and they're all disagreeing on the simple story that's taking place. Right. So what do you do? So when I first started teaching, so there's the most famous commentary. He's in every Bible that has a commentary. He's called Rashi. That's an acronym. He lived, he was born I think in 1056, lived in France and eventually ended up in Germany in Worms. He is the most famous commentary. He goes by his acronym of Rashi. Um, all children study him. But, he, but his commentary is one that I teach third graders. Okay. And the greatest rabbis are studying the same commentary on a much deeper understanding level. So I was teaching something, whatever the Torah portion was to my class, and there was a different commentary, maybe lived 80 years ago, and I happened to have liked what he said, even though it was different than Rashi. Because when it comes to simple explanation, you're allowed to have your opinion. You're not changing the law. There's just different ways of, of understanding what the story is or what God wants in the story. So somebody says to me, You really should stick with Rashi. Why don't you call your rabbi, right? Rabbis also have rabbis. So I call my rabbi and I say, you know, I I got these two explanations. I like this one. He says, very nice. You could do whatever you want. But to your third graders, you're teaching Rashi. So so your question is good. And there actually are, I don't call them rules and regulations. It's understood that there's Rashi. He's like the... Number so you one. Wanna man. Him ba- you wanna give them the you wanna
0: give him the foundation. Everything starts with him. And right.
1: then you get a little older, you understand the concept of, of different ways of looking <laughs> something, why this one had a question, why this one had an answer, how do we answer this one's question? That becomes the whole give and take as people mature, their brains mature, they get older. There's um, so you know, I have my show, I can talk to her all day long.
0: Yeah. But to give you an idea. Yeah, tell 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 my audience out there. So you do Let's Talk Torah here on NRM Streamcast. So on
1: NRM Streamcast, I have a show called Let's Talk Torah. When, when do you do it? When do you uh it is live Thursdays at three.
0: Thursdays at three.
1: Thursdays at three, but there's always in the archives. People can check out my shows. And I break it up where I try to do a weekly Torah portion. Yeah. Maybe touch on the holidays if it's a holiday season. And then depending on the week. If I choose, I bring in a guest and I bring in all kinds of people. One day we're gonna get you on. That's perfect. Okay, I think we have you set up soon. But uh, when I mean the gamut, Jewish, not Jewish, religious, I not religious. It. They're authors, they're artists, they're photographers, they're musicians. I love it, and I love. That's what I'm gonna love when we talk. When it's my turn to yeah. interview you, I love inspirational stories,
0: and I love people's journey. And and I love to to meet uh, people as yourself um, that have. Sort of to along the way, I think there's certain like can translate it's it's translation to what I'm going through. Even right now is, is because I wanted to have you on and talk because I just came back miserable, but you explained a lot of things of why I felt or why I saw. And the thing is, it's not like, well, this is it, but it says in the tour and, and it makes me believe cause I, my sort of belief in i'm very spiritual but in all different forms is the positive you know like there's that love is where what i believe in but um to hear that because i have utmost respect for for jewish people because of what they stand for and and um just getting to know them so uh until we do uh talk again and uh wherever that is um i do appreciate your time it is been fun. And, thank uh, you. It does, and this just begins the begins the lessons. I will be checking out. Let's uh, go Torah uh, live Thursdays 3 p.m. and you can check out uh, Grind Time with Darren McCarty here on NRM Streamcast Tuesday night 6:30 live. Uh, they'll be archived uh, for Wednesdays, but we got a lot of things planned. Uh, thanks again. This is the uh, Israel trip part. Dmac out. All right. Well, thank you, Rabbi Svi, again. On this episode Cronwell 55 that's a little bit of recap some pictures obviously I took the pictures because Andy was mad at me because I didn't know the rule about turning it upside down I had to put him like this he had to ref anyways that's just stuff that we got to deal with here anyways guys uh, one thing that I wanted you know in this that I was able to and I hadn't gone to a bar mitzvah or a bat mitzvah which is a celebration of the youth into adulthood for the young Jewish kids and it's pretty much the time where you should hit the bottom line y- yeah you should know better <laughs> you, know, to, you know right from wrong and stuff like that but in saying this so Lonnie who's Michael Shulman uh, soon to be uh, stepdaughter uh, she had her bat mitzvah but the most poignant thing not only of the tradition and, and everyone and, and the coming of age was the message uh, from the rabbi that day and he was talking about about a, a friend that had days or maybe a week to live and was asking him, you know, something about, uh, you know, having a good day or bad day. And he said, well, I'm just happy to have a day. <laughs> happy to have a day. Maybe we all should take that approach sometime. I say that in memory of uh, Dan O'Connor and anybody who's suffered from PTSD, any mental issues, the Warriors Garden by Ralph uh, Gaskin. Uh, very courageous Adventures book uh, look into it but uh, you know that's it miss you Dan we'll be here uh, next week got a lot of uh, fun things in tune for you uh, thanks for tuning in uh, I know for me the trip to Israel uh, was life changing in a positive way and I can't wait to go back so for all of us here on Grind Time with Darren McCarty you know the rule no matter how many times You fall down. Get your ass back up. That's grind time. We're out.